steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! The Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, well, the predictable kind of happened yesterday for the Minnesota Vikings in California. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers ran all over the purple and gold and to a tune of about 6.0 yards per carry. At least that's what it was towards the end of the game yesterday. Um, ultimately, the Vikings drop a tough one uh, in horrific fashion once again, breaking all of our hearts once again. Uh, but we're getting tough, and uh, we're learning from it, right? Vikings mm-hmm. now stand at five and six on the season. Plenty of games still to come. This one definitely hurts. Uh, we'll go through, you know, kind of the ups and downs of this one, who's to blame. We'll share our pieces of pie as we typically do when the Vikings lose. And we'll probably touch on kind of the ramifications of this one, right? We talk going into this show just about how important this individual matchup was going to be given the circumstances with the 49ers um, being a team that's probably going to be right in the thick of that wild card conversation along with your Minnesota Vikings. So not a death blow by any means, but certainly hurt. So we'll go through all that um, and more. So that's the game plan for today. Let's uh, get her started here with, we start with Kirk Cousins today, right? Yeah. I mean, Kirk was, it was all of all of the Kirk Cousins experience in one, I think. Right. I mean, yeah. he had a really, really good first half, um, made some awesome throws. The kind of improvisation play to Thielen and on this, his second touchdown was really cool to see rolling out to his left and kind of throwing a back shoulder throw in the middle of the field, which isn't a, a, a common right. uh, thing. But, you know, back shoulder middle of the field, it was the right throw. It was right on target. Um, had the offense humming. And then it seemed like when he threw that interception early in the second half is kind of when he, you know, curled back up into that kind of scared conservative Kirk cousins that we're all scared of. And um, that kind of resulted in, you know, some short drives by the Vikings and then the Niners took advantage of it and were able to chomp, you know, gain chunks of yards over and over on the ground, whether it was Debo Samuel, whether it was Elijah Mitchell, and that was a thing I think we were afraid of. So it was just um, it, the Kirk thing was, I'm not going to, I'm not that worried about Kirk in general. Um, we see this happen with him uh, where maybe it's one play and then suddenly things go, you know, he's, you know, back to kind of conservative Kirk. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's a switch that is flipped one way or the other. Sometimes he starts off very poorly and then kind of picks up later in the game but it, it seems like there are these games every year. So, you know, with that said, I'm not worried about him moving forward. Like, I don't think this is a sign of things to come or anything like that. Um, I'm mostly worried about other things and other reasons the Vikings lost this game and primarily being stopping the run and, yeah. or the health of the, you know, players responsible for stopping the run right. uh, because the Vikings were running out there with basically, you know, a JV defensive line, the Niners took advantage. So I guess my thought is not about Kirk Cousins and, you know, 
again, I don't think he played awesome yesterday. He certainly didn't play well. Um, I think it was a very average, mediocre game for him because, again, great first half. I don't want to take that away from him. Um, second half was very inefficient. And then I, I, I think that's more of an outlier in, in the season as a whole, though. Um, so it's just when you're giving up 200 yards on the ground, six yards of carry, and the, the Niners are using 38 minutes of clock, on time possession, you're asking your quarterback to do a lot. And Kirk just had a poor game. So the timing wasn't right there, I guess. So the reason why I wanted to start with Kirk today, I know that we typically do, but this felt like a particularly good spot to start with Kirk Cousins, because like you said, you kind of got the full scope of what Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. is as a football player, right? Like the first half, um, I don't tweet a whole lot anymore, but I did get after it a little bit in this game. And I was tweeting about how Kirk looked like he's going through the annual Kirk hot streak in the first half, right? Like it wasn't just that back shoulder throw that you were talking about. Everything was accurate. It was the first down passes to Justin Jefferson. It was the aggressiveness downfield. Um, it was moving the ball effectively, you know, basically on screens or slants or flood concepts downfield, mm-hmm. level concepts downfield. He was doing pretty much everything at a very high level um, to the point where I believe the broadcaster, which was Johnny, Jonathan Vilma, who, of course, I can't stand. And I've mentioned before that I can't stand him. But he was in he was talking about Kirk in the MVP conversation. If the Vikings were to have a better record, that's where we were in the first half of this football game. And it was rightfully deserved. Right. Like he played very well. I don't blame the outcome of this game on Kirk Cousins. Right. I, and you guys, listeners of this show, understand that. I'm not going to be a guy that's going to bang the table one way or the other for Kirk Cousins, whether if he's, I'm not going to stand with him if he's, you know, playing terrible and I'm not going to be the guy who's just like mad at Kirk Cousins, just always to be mad at Kirk yeah. Cousins. I'm not going to be that guy. Objectively speaking, this was not his strongest performance. You still got 7.4 yards per attempt average out of him. You got the back breaking interception, which actually the Vikings stood on its head defensively and were able to get the ball back. So that interception was not great, poorly timed, definitely hurt the team long-term, but Robbie gold gave you an opportunity late to kind of balance that one out, I suppose, by missing Mm -hmm. that 42 yarder late in the game. I just simply can't put everything on Kirk here today because I think that he played well enough to win this football game. 98% of the time, you just have a couple of really poor moments that I don't necessarily even blame on him. Like the two point conversion thing, by the way, I think the Vikings are now really low at converting. I think it's one, I think it's one out of four this year, yeah, one out of five or something, something like that. Like that. So it's a smaller sample size, but it's not a good small sample size. Right. I kind of, to me, that's not Kirk. I don't love throwing it out of the back of the end zone on the attempt to Justin Jefferson. I thought that was a very poor decision. Like at the very least, throw it up where your guy can have an opportunity to catch it. That kind of rubbed me the wrong way from Kirk. But as a whole, this game's not on him. And to me, this one is full frontal on the Vikings defensive line. I don't blame literally a single other person tackling across the board was not great Anthony Barr missed a couple tackles you know Nick Vigil I saw missed a couple tackles Blake Lynch who was in a piece of that defensive line missed a couple of big tackles there's also the people I know Mike Zimmer actually pointed to this and George Kittle of course fired back but there's the kind of the notion going out there that the San Francisco offensive line was holding more or less the entire football game I thought there was a ticky-tack call on Lakin Tomlinson. I didn't think that was the one to call holding on. 
but I do think that maybe the refs could have been a little bit more balanced with their play with their calls yesterday. Again, not going to blame the zebras on this one. Never going to be the guy to do that. But there were some things working against the Vikings that were certainly not in their control. You know, the Delvin cook injury, that fumble dude, if you dislocate your shoulder, you can throw the ball into the back of the end zone for a safety. And I wouldn't be mad. Like that's an impossible situation. I can't blame Delvin cook for fumbling the football in that situation. And really, I can't blame the Vikings offense for pushing the ball down the field consistently. Yeah, I mean, they got to convert on the uh, the first chance they had down eight when they had, I think they had first and goal, I believe. They got it down to the nine and then they right. ran it a couple times and it was suddenly they were basically went 0 for 2 on uh, from the two yard line, I believe is what it was, um, which that right there is, I think, the big difference in this game. I think a lot of people are focusing on maybe that last drive or, mm-hmm. you know, I, that scoring there when you need to is the difference in this game because hypothetically then, right, even if the Vikings don't get uh, that two-point conversion that would have been to tie it, so they would have been at, you know, a two-point game, they're trailing. Mm-hmm. They get that stop again. Robbie Gold misses that kick. They go down. They just need a field goal to win. Right. So there's that missed opportunity. And then I think, I mean, the Kirk interception, again, I look back at it. I get what he saw. And I, I, I think people are going to that's important. listen to that, listen to that. And they're going to be like, what are you talking about? Cause you watch that without, I mean, the first time reviewing that replay, you probably saw the linebacker sitting right in front of Thielen and like, I mean, how could he possibly throw that pass? But that was, it looked like a curl flat concept, something like that, where there was a flat route coming uh, on Thielen's side and Thielen was sitting there in that curl route. And it looked like the linebacker was going to run after that flat route. And as Kirk was beginning to wind up in his motion to throw, the linebacker just stopped right in his tracks, kind of right in front of Thielen. And Kirk did not, was not able to stop or kind of pull back the throw. And as soon as he let go, it was probably one of those where he knew it was going to be picked. So that's what I see happening. And I, I don't know if the media asked Kirk specifically about that question today, mm-hmm. um, but that's uh, kind of what I saw there. So again, it's his mistake and he, you know, needs to, I mean, don't throw the ball to the other team directly in their face is probably a good idea. But uh, that was a very backbreaking interception. Um, and so you have that, you have the Dalvin fumble in their territory again. They had like how many drives start at their own, like, or at the Vikings 10 yard line. So between that and between the time of possession being almost 40 minutes in favor of San Fran, again, a lot of things working against the Vikings. The defensive line injuries too much to overcome, and I, I remember uh, uh, on the show last week we were talking and, and trying to kind of preview this game a little bit, and I kind of was fifty fifty on it. I didn't quite know at the time, but as the week went on, you know, I thought more about the injuries and the lack of defensive line depth. I just I I could not get it in me to trust this Vikings team to stop the the Forty ers run game. And I mean, that's the thing. It's, it bothers me that Jimmy G didn't like do anything to win this game and he's going to get a win for it, but he really didn't do anything to win this game. Uh, so, I mean, credit to the Niners. They, they did exactly what they were going to, they are advertising that they're going to do. They're going to run at you. Um, they're going to pound the football and they're going to use every bit of the weapons they have to run the ball with, you know, they're going to use Debo Samuel, Elijah Mitchell. Um, they had that awesome ground game. Then the Vikings knew it was coming and they just didn't stop it. 
Yeah, ultimately, by the way, it's 39 carries for the 49ers on offense yesterday, 5.3 average. So not quite that 6.0 mark that it was at in like the, I believe, six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Obviously, the Vikings defense made a couple of nice holds there to set up that opportunity for a game tying drive um, and that lessened that number a little bit. But that figure is pretty, it's pretty jaw dropping. 39 carries. 208 total yards comparatively speaking jimmy garoppolo well, i mean they really didn't have like the big 70 yard bomb carry you know like it wasn't they were it was large chunk after large chunk if i remember right i mean it wasn't For like the most part yeah debo ripped off a 90 yard or anything like that i think he had a long touchdown he had the 49 yard elijah mitchell specifically didn't i know that no. he had a so debo had the 49 yarder that inflated his but elijah mitchell's longest carry was 15 yards mm-hmm. And the guy ran for 133 yards. So if you kind of put that together, he was getting large chunk after large chunk on the ground. So Vikings just couldn't stop it. I know it's it's tough to put a blame on that because there's guys hurt. There's guys out with COVID. There's whatever. But uh, I still think highly of Mike Zimmer as a defensive head coach, a defensive schemist. There's just not the personnel there. It's kind of it's this defense is turning quickly into the 2020 Vikings defense. And I don't like it because I think it it's almost impossible for Zimmer to, to, you know, scheme things up defensively with them. Absolutely. I mean, you look at what they tried out yesterday on the defensive line, right? I mean, it was DJ Wanham, solid second year player, you know, Armin Watts late round pick from a couple of years back who has been outperforming, but put into a kind of a, a very important and crucial role yeah. uh, was not able to quite have the same level of success that he had been having as kind of a spot starter rotational guy, Blake Lynch, or excuse me, James Lynch. I'm going to call him Blake Lynch forever. For some reason, James Lynch, um, solid three technique more known for his pass rushing. And I think we saw that yesterday where he had a couple of pressures, but stopping the run was certainly not his forte. And then, I mean, you had some combination of Tashawn Bauer, Eddie Yarborough, Etc. Sean Barr, by the way, had been on the team for like 36 hours. Yeah. So you think about what you were just saying, right? The things that have stacked up against the Vikings over the past even 10 days, right? Basically since the Packers game, which was the high of the entire season so far, right? Uh, Basically since then, you've lost Everson Griffin to a scary, scary mental health situation, which has to be affecting morale one way or the other. I know a couple of years back when the whole thing went down before the Buffalo game, we talked about you know how we don't necessarily know how that impacted the Vikings, but it's pretty clear that it had some level of impact. I think it's fair to say that that situation kind of reared its ugly head again for this matchup. Obviously, best wishes to Everson Griffin. There's, you know, I'm not faulting him in any shape or form here, but that certainly is a tough thing to overcome, not just in terms of replacing the you know, an excellent pass rusher and, you know, a force for your team in terms of, you know, leadership, uh, getting the guys juiced before the game, et cetera. It has some value that we can't quantify and we're not going to try to quantify because simply right. we're not in the locker room to ask them what the deal is. Right. Um, it puts the Vikings defensive line in a very difficult position. So for me to say, Hey, the blame is all on them. Like, yeah, that's kind of what it is. Like I'm, I'm being a little hard on these guys, given kind of the status and kind of what's the expectation would be for these guys. You know, I know Sheldon Richardson had a couple of standout moments, specifically covering on that screen, which was absolutely insane, by the way. So you've got a couple of moments like that where, yes, they were able to sort of do, I guess, not necessarily what's expected of them, but 
give you a the splash plays. Yeah, the splash plays. Yeah, absolutely. They were able to give you a couple of those. But ultimately, when you're missing Daniil Hunter, which is, by the way, we don't even we have barely even talked about that since it happened. Um, the fact that he's gone, you're losing pressures immediately. Mm-hmm. And you're basically putting yourself in a very difficult spot just inherently by not having that one guy. Now you throw in Everson Griffin as well. You force DJ Wadham to basically be the face of your defensive pressures. Yeah, that's not great. That's not great. And that's a tough position for the Vikings defense to be in. I don't care if you're Mike Zimmer. I don't care if you're Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, whoever. You're it's tough to scheme up when you've got four guys who just simply do not have the level of experience necessary to handle a Kyle Shanahan offense, which – like you said, we knew they were going to shove it down our throats. We knew that was coming. Scheme schematically, they just basically ran power, and that's what we said was right. going to happen. We knew it was going to happen. There's nothing we could do to stop it. And by we, I do mean the Vikings, of course. There's nothing that could be done in that situation. I don't know if having Everson Griffin, you know, Michael Pierce, Dalvin Tomlinson, Daniil Hunter in there would have changed the outcome. But I have a very, very strong belief that if any of maybe two of those guys were in there that the damage would not have been as severe. It would, it, it would have been mitigated a little bit. I'm not sure it changes the game completely or the Vikings win the game. Uh, one thing I do know for sure. And again, the time of possession thing is, is, is one aspect of this um, where the Niners kind of dominated that right. second half, but I believe a combined Jefferson and Thielen had two receptions in the second half. Thielen didn't have one. And I believe Jefferson had, just split the he had four for the game and two in each half. Um, it, it seems to be when the Vikings don't target those guys, they lose. Uh, I, I don't have a, a perfect statistical tread in front of me, but I look back at the, the games the Vikings lose, and it seems like they kind of go away from their star receivers, which seems right. like a, I mean, bad strategy. And I, that seems like the most obvious statement to make, but here we are talking about it again. So I do like what Clint Kubiak has done a lot. Um, this year, you know, he has kind of gone away from the run a little bit more than I would have expected. And I like that. I like that they're kind of trusting Kirk a little bit more recently. Um, but that's one where you got to, you got to target your stars, you know, and maybe the, and I, maybe I'll go back and look and maybe the Niners were really bracketing Jefferson, not allowing that kind of single, single coverage stuff down the field that, you know, Green Bay was doing. Um, but either way, you got to get the ball to your stars. And especially when it counts, you're not targeting. You know, the Vikings were targeting KJ Osborne on third downs and things like that. So um, there's there's things to be had here. I'm not that concerned about this loss overall. Um, this is kind of one. Yeah. I'm I'm not. Yeah. So if we're going to talk about concern moving forward, this one's not that big to me. Being this decimated, Niners are you know hot, red hot right now, and it's a terrible matchup for the Vikings. I I'm not that concerned, and I guess. I mean, they're still a seven seed in the playoffs. And if you're that that fan that's like all about getting to the playoffs, I don't think you really are that affected by this because the the race for that spot right now is pretty ugly. And I still think the Vikings have a big edge there. Yeah. So, you know, I I, I said in kind of the introduction for this show that yes, this is a this is a very painful loss. Um for the Vikings playoff hopes, right? Um and by playoff hopes, I guess I mean you know, high seeded playoff hopes relative to the wild card spot. Of course, the Packers won yesterday as well against the Rams. We were talking kind of last week about how the Vikings had a very outside spot at the division. I think that this loss kind of seals the fact the Vikings are not 
going to be in the division com- conversation. That's really the biggest detriment to this loss because now you're a five and six team with six games to play. I believe the Packers now have a th- four game edge in the division. It's simply, it becomes a, it com- becomes a lot more difficult of a path uh, for the Vikings to win that division. So that might be out, right? You might've just lost that as a result of this game. That being said, like Drew just said, you're still in the playoffs and you're definitely still in the thick of it. You look at kind of around the league, Philadelphia, who we were just talking about last week is being kind of a scary team. They don't look right. good at all. They took a major step back. Yep. Their loss is a hell of a lot more concerning. Also a division loss for them too hurts that much more, right? You look at kind of Atlanta. I know that they did all right yesterday. They got the W I believe it's Jacksonville. Woohoo. Like, I mean, it's, that's the thing. These, you know, the, the teams that are right behind the Vikings, you have, Actually, your boy Taylor Heineke. If they win tonight, they they would actually surpass the Vikings right. for that seven seed. And they uh, but it's Washington, it's Atlanta, it's Philly, it's the Bears and the Giants. I mean, it's not that attractive of a list. And I feel I feel very strongly about the Vikings being better than those teams. So uh, again, not that concerning. The Vikings do have Detroit, Pittsburgh, and Chicago coming up, which I I don't I know we we know better as Vikings fans to be saying, oh, this should be a win or that should be a win. I don't like doing that and I shouldn't be doing that. But three very winnable games coming up. And I feel like, I mean, if if we're, you know, if we think this is a playoff team, then the expectation should be that they will win those games Mm -hmm. and they will be eight and six uh, going into week 16 with a date against the Rams, I believe, that week. Mm-hmm. Because then they finish with Rams, Packers, Bears, which I think would be a fun stretch. You go in there eight and six. I think the Vikings could definitely do that. And I'm not like I don't think anything is super concerning uh, from this Niners game. I guess is the ultimate takeaway. There's there's things that were there's poor things that happened. You know things that are bad, obviously that are not mm-hmm. good. But it's not it's it's not something new that we didn't know was already a weakness. I guess. Absolutely. And then just as a whole, right? Like it's, it's very easy to kind of get over the run defense, knowing what we just talked about, right? Like you're missing all four of your starters and you're basically elevating Sheldon Richardson, who yes, starter quality, I would argue, but that's basically the only guy played defensive end. Like (laughs) he's playing, not even his own position. We play a team that, that loves running the football and is really good at it. Just a bad matchup at a it's bad their identity. time when all of your yeah. defensive line is out. So you're not going to play a team the rest of the year. If I think about it, yeah, you're probably not going to play a team the rest of the year, maybe Green Bay, that could dominate you on the ground like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 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 I like, I still like where Minnesota's at in terms of making the playoffs um, again. And then you just have to make sure your quarterback can limit the damage and be make, you know, target and go after the, the defense with your best players in the second half. One thing that I will say, and this is kind of going to be echoing this somewhat of the sentiment that we made in the last show, is that I'm starting to be of the belief that this is a win and see what happens year for every single team in the NFC, top to bottom, right? I agree totally. I mean, there's not a single, and I, I think this is the case for every, or both conferences. I actually think the Patriots might be the only team that They're scarier is outside right of here. But like that, they might be the only true dominant team right now. I think everybody else has their faults, has their clear flaws, and is not. It can be very uh, reasonably expected to be beaten in the playoffs. I don't think there is a team that is truly dominant. 
Um, and I, I think that's exciting about this year. And to me, again, I'm not, I don't think this is a Super Bowl team. I don't think this team can truly make a run. But I also think it's a higher chance of me being wrong this year, just mm-hmm. based on the NFC being there's well, a lot the of league parody. as a whole is weaker. I think it's more of a right. Like you said, it's just all it's all muck. Both conferences. Any team can be any team in any given week. OK, so I would argue that as of, you know, I understand that this is somewhat, you know, bias towards the fact that we just watched the Vikings get shattered by the San Francisco running game. But I don't really think that there's a scarier team above the Vikings right now in the playoff picture than the 49ers. Kind of going back to what I said a couple weeks back, or I guess more what Aaron Rodgers said a couple weeks back about how there's just simply some teams that match up schematically that present a problem for you. I think, and we've elaborated on this to some degree, San Francisco might be just that team. And they might be that team for Green Bay as well. I think really the only team that matches up super well with San Francisco is Tampa Bay. And outside of that, I think that they have a chance to be. Literally anyone. So the Los problem Angeles with San Francisco is too. if San Francisco is down in the second half, then they're trusting Jimmy G to come back. I think right. they're out. You know, if they right. can play their game, they can win. And the, they, they were able to play their game for this, this entire 60 minutes against the Vikings. So, but I think, I think I, I, the more you say that, the more I think it's true. You know, the Vikings, I can see them going into Lambeau and beating the Packers. And that's right now last year. Playoff started today. That's exactly what would be happening. Right. I can see them going into Lambeau and winning. I could see them beating the Rams. I could see them beating the Cowboys. I could see all of that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the only reason I'm scared of Tampa is because Tom Brady playoffs. I'm not, but I think they have yeah. their flaws too. So there's there's reason to believe if you are the person that seeks optimism about this team, which is dangerous, by the way. But if you are that fan, I think this is a year where a New York Giants with Eli type of run could take place you if might you're that it, one yeah. of those wild card teams. It's possible. I'm not saying it's likely. It's definitely not likely, but I'm saying it's possible this year for a wild card team in any, in either one of the conferences where the, the kind of the, the one and two seats have been so dominant for years and years. Now, this is probably a year where one of those wild card teams makes a run. And just to kind of put a lid on that one. Um, the structure of the postseason, like, of course there's the obvious, right? There is a seven seed now, which, effectively gets the Vikings into the playoffs. Right. But I think the structure of the postseason also gives an advantage to these lower wild card level teams, right? The only team that has a bye week one in the postseason as it stands today is Arizona and the NFC. Everyone else is going to have to go out and defend their right to be there. I totally forgot about Arizona too. (laughs) Exactly. Right. So, you know, you look at the circumstances and I still think they're okay. Obviously you'd like to have a win. Of course, it hurts because if the Vikings finish with the same record as the 49ers, they will be the lower seed now, and that hurts. That could potentially be the bump to get them out of that seven seed. It could potentially be the difference between going to Tampa Bay or Green Bay or Dallas. Like, yeah, that sucks. I'm not going to put, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat that for anyone. But I don't feel like this team is dead as a result of this game the same way that I felt when they lost to Dallas, when they lost to Baltimore. I thought this team was dead in the water after those two matchups. This one is not one. This just feels like kind of football bounced the wrong way a couple times. A couple of things happened that just put the Vikings in a bad situation. 
this Kurt just felt Cousins. like a loss waiting to happen for me. I just yeah. it just felt like it. The matchup was poor on the road too. Had, by the way, right? Yeah, on the road. Uh, you had the matchup was terrible. Different time zone. And I mean, yeah. So I know yeah. I, this is a weirdly optimistic show after a loss. Um, I'm 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 weirdly scared of Detroit just because. <laughs> You, you don't want you don't want to be the team that loses to Detroit this year. Yeah. Uh, but if I mean that we can really blow it up if they lose to Detroit. We'll say that. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But we'll uh, we can get to that later on this week. Bright spots, though. Now, part of the reason why I'm not decimated personally by this loss is a result of some of the things that we did see that were very positive. I think that there's one very obvious one and it's Kane Wangu who is crazy good at returning kicks right and i think i said this on twitter as well yesterday you can follow me it's pretty sick i said that he begs you to to give him manufactured touches in space because of how dangerous he can be when he's got one guy on him and that's it We've seen it now twice on kickoff returns. And I think that this Dalvin Cook situation, while not great, it does open up the possibility to see what this dude is made of, right? He got his second carry of the season last yesterday against the 49ers. I know it's not a big deal, but it's something, right? And I do think that this kid has the it quality, right? I felt when he was running away from San Francisco's defense in on that kickoff return, right? It wasn't one of those where he broke, you know, there was guys chasing him all the way to the end zone, right? Like he was gone. This dude can flat out fly. Get him involved in the, in the offense, man. I mean, I, I work felt, some touches, get him, I, like slowly evolve him into more of a feature role. Absolutely. You know, especially with Dalvin out, the opportunity is there. Yeah, exactly. He's, doesn't I, have to be a, you know, power eye carry, you know, in a, straight up the middle through the a gap doesn't have to be that just Clint can be creative. This is kind of where you, he gets the chance now to shine a little bit too, is find a way to get this guy to football. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that that's, you know, one of the ways that you can mitigate however long Dalvin cook is going to be out. It didn't see, I thought he tore his peck when he got hurt, right? Like if you saw the way that he fell while fumbling the ball, his hand immediately grabbed for his chest and I'm like, Oh my God, here we go again. He's out for the season. God knows what he's going to be next year. Obviously, a dislocated shoulder isn't super far from that because of the structural damage that you can cause in your shoulder. And then we know that Dalvin Cook's been kind of dealing with injuries all season long. So, like, that doesn't help by any stretch of the words. But you do have Madison, who had a solid game yesterday. Of course, he had the very nice, you know, touchdown run. Um, And then you've got Wangu, who I just mentioned, right, who I think that this opens up the opportunity to get him the ball a little bit more. And Justin Jefferson, by the way, I know that he didn't have the 10 catch 160 yard performance this week, but the dude still comes up with the important play when it matters. Right. He's, he's, he is like, he's not Jarius, right? Like you can call him Mr. First down, but he's not Jarius, right? Cause it's not just a shallow crosser. That's getting you four yards to move the chains. It's more like he's converting the third and twelves pretty consistently when the ball is thrown in his direction in that situation. I know the Vikings have been terrible on third down for the last three weeks. It stayed the course against San Francisco, but Justin Jefferson gives you a chance, right? And I think there was one call too that there could have been a pass interference call. Well, really there was two that stand out in my mind where you could have thrown a flag there. 
again, it is what it is. You can't really, you can't really blame the, the refs when you allow 5.3 yards per carry and allow them to control the clock for most of the final 30 minutes of the football game. But there are some bright spots here. This team is still very good offensively. I mean, if you told me that you're going to get 26 points, I'd say that the Vikings would definitely be in this matchup, and they absolutely were, mm-hmm. right? And they've played – the streak continues, right? The Vikings now have had a seven-point lead in every single matchup that they've played this season. The schedule has been a lot stronger than I think we've given it credit for. Um, they've played most of these teams that are above them, right? And they've contended with every single one of them at their best with the exception of Dallas, who, of course, was starting Cooper Rush at the time. So I think the Vikings are right in it. I really do. This is, you're right. This is a weirdly optimistic show following a loss, but I can kind of feel that there are some things that are clicking. There are some things that still need to be figured out, of course, but I love the aggressiveness. First of all, that stayed consistent as well, right? We've been talking about on this show, Mike Zimmer, please be more aggressive, right? We got the quote last week saying, basically giving Kirk license to be as aggressive as he needs to be. And while you did get the interception, I'm going to use Mike Zimmer's quote. That's life, right? Like at least you took the shot and at least you went for two. At least you went for it on fourth down twice. And you split that, by the way, you got 50%, which is the kind of the expectation when you go for it on fourth down, you put yourself in a position to win and you didn't quite get there. But this was not something where the Vikings, despite doing a lot of things wrong in this game, they were able to compete with a team that, basically outclasses them schematically. And at least in this situation where you don't have all of your playmakers available, they still were able to be right in this one with the defensive line that I mentioned to you earlier. And I think that's kind of, I don't want to say, I don't want to use it, but like, it's kind of a win, right? Like, it's like, we don't like to talk about that type of, you know, victory where it's, you no, don't actually we're, get one. On we're not paper, about moral victories. We're not, but I, it's just like, I understand it. Like I understand the that's where it is. Yes. Game. Like I'm not, it's not, I'm not coming away super baffled or super like, like in shock and disappointment. Like it was with, you know, the Ravens loss or the Dallas loss, like those ones, like it's, that's not my takeaway. Uh, it's just, this is kind of going into the game. That's kind of how I felt things would unfold like it's in a way it's relieving that it did unfold this way because now it's like okay the vikings are going to be competitive in every game this year and in every game this year really it's been a couple of bounces here there they could win the game which is a little bit at least exciting for the stretch run here where they get into some important games down the stretch they will be in the game and if they make a couple plays here there or get that lucky bounce here there they can win and so that's, I mean, I don't have much else to say about this game yep. because, again, it was kind of the outcome that was expected to me anyway. I do want to point out one more thing, and then we'll get into our slice of the pie and then get you guys out of here. But uh, the Vikings in 2016, right? You remember this team, of course, they finished 8-8 eight and eight on the season. This, of course, led up to that 2017 run with Case Keenum that led to a 13-3 and three mark. That 2016 team kind of, to me, mirrors this 2021 edition of the Vikings. And it's not necessarily because I think this is an 8-8 eight and eight football club. I think this Vikings edition is actually more of like a closer to a 10-6 and six relative to a you know 16-game schedule than that team was. But in the sense that things just kind of bounced the wrong way that year, and then the next year you started getting the, quote, right bounces and things sort of fell into place for you. I mean – it sort of feels like this team could be the 
it's beginning to feel, I should say, like this team could be a sign of things to come. If things were to bounce the right way, right? If you're able to get guys healthy and for a full 16, 17 game slate, all of a sudden you're in a whole lot more football. Well, I shouldn't even say that. You're winning a whole lot more football games. Like the Greg Joseph field goal, that's going to go in nine times out of 10 against Arizona, right? The loss against Cincinnati, that Delvin Cook fumble, probably doesn't happen most of the time. And secondly, if it's reviewed, it's probably reviewed and the Vikings are fine most of the time, right? I can keep doing this stuff. So I sort of feel like the best is yet to come with this team. Whereas at the beginning of this year, we were all talking about identity crisis. What is this team going to do? Is Kirk Cousins the answer long-term? Like, I hope he's not. Like, let's see what we got in Kellen Mond. Like, that's where we were at just, what, three months ago? And now I feel like, this team has given you enough to believe that this team could be successful. I don't know how successful. And if you're a Super Bowl guy, I don't know if this is going to be a Super Bowl contender anytime soon. But I do think the best version of this Vikings team is yet to come. I still feel that way. It could happen this year. And maybe it could be something that leads into next year. And ultimately, you know, we kind of get the results that you're hoping for in the future. I, I know that doesn't lend a whole lot of like – it's not the best thing to hear when you're in the middle of it and you're five and six, like, Oh yeah, great things are still to come. It kind of feels, you know, it, it feels like it's hollow to a degree, but I do feel that way. I think that this team can still play better. I think this team can still get luckier, which I know you guys hate talking about luck, but let's be real. There's a factor there that you can't control. If you don't want to use the term luck, we can use something else, but the algorithm has been off for the Vikings a couple of times this year. Whereas in most circumstances, the ball would have quote bounced the right way and the Vikings would be in a completely different circumstance. So yesterday mm-hmm. against the San Francisco 49ers, I don't really think it was one of those games, but as a whole this season, a lot more optimistic than I was week one. And really, I guess to kind of put a bow on this one, I don't think that this San Francisco loss takes away from that a whole lot. So Let's get into the slice of the pie. I know I kind of already mentioned that the defensive line is going to be mine. But for you, where do where does the blame lie? Who who gets the biggest slice of the pie? How much of this is on Mike Zimmer? How much is this is on Kirk? How much is this on kind of the rest of the team? Yeah, uh, I want to. I'm going to kind of throw a dark horse in there and say Rick Spielman in the front office, uh, just because there's. I mean, it's one thing to have guys go down. Injuries happen in the NFL. But to have this as the sort of replacement level guys where you're, you don't have really anything coming, um, uh, you know, really have much to work with, with the reserve guys. And I've talked about over and over this year, how this team is very top heavy with the roster mm-hmm. starting guys. Everybody's just, everybody's healthy. Everybody's starting. Everybody's playing. This team's roster is, is awesome. Uh, but those injuries start to happen. And suddenly this team gets exposed pretty badly. And we saw that with San Francisco. It's kind of reminiscent of like the Saints game last year on Christmas where I don't think the Saints punted and they put up like a thousand points. And so it wasn't quite that bad to, against the Niners, obviously, but it's a little bit of how this defense is. It's mainly on the defensive side. Anyway, you're seeing how, you know, weak the depth is. And I don't think all of that is, you know, Zimmer or all of that is Spielman, but I think it's a combination of everybody there. And then, I mean, I'm going to put some blame on Kirk uh, and kind of the offense of game plan of getting the ball to the start, the start receivers there on Kirk, on Kubiak, whoever might be responsible for that. Um, but I guess, again, that's kind of my, you know, quarters of blame there, Kirk, uh, Clint in the offense game plan. And then 
you know, Zimmer and Spielman for kind of the, the lack of depth there, the lack of trustworthy guys that are behind the, that starting defensive line unit. Yep. Yep. I think that's a fair way to kind of assess this one. I'm just going to, I'm going to go, <clears throat> what I said, I'm going to stand by what I said earlier. I'm going to place about, I'm going to go 80% on the defensive line because I, I think ultimately, you know, I know that they don't necessarily deserve to be highlighted as like the focus for the Vikings defense yesterday, especially because I don't think Eric Kendricks or Anthony Barr had a particularly good game playing behind them either. But the fact of the matter is, is that San Francisco's rushing attack was getting to the second level every single time they ran the ball yesterday, every single time. Okay. Mm -hmm. And whether or not these guys should be held in higher esteem is an opinion thing that I'm not going to get into, but ultimately that was the result. And these guys are professionals. I've covered high school kids. I did that. I had that part of my life where I was a journalist covering high school kids. And it's a lot more difficult to blame, you know, the second string defensive lineman who's a freshman from Bismarck, North Dakota. It's a lot harder to blame that kid thrown into the situation. We're talking about professionals. These guys signed up for this. They're getting paid, right? I'm sorry, DJ Wanham. I know that you're not the starting defensive end. I know that you're not supposed to be a 10-sack guy that's getting a pressure at an extremely high rate. But this is on you guys because ultimately it was your job and you did not complete that job, which, yeah, sorry. Like, that's where it is. So I'm going to go 80% on the defensive line. The other 20%, I'm with you. I think, you know, I don't blame – I don't necessarily blame Kirk. I think I blame Clint a little bit more here. And this is kind of – this is a weird sensation for me because I'm really – it's not, it's not hard for me to blame Kirk. Let's put it that way. But in this situation, I don't think that he was the reason. I just really don't. I don't think that he had any control of where the ball was going to be, right? Like, obviously, like, you know – when you have a, what was it, a seven-minute drive for the San Francisco 49ers in the fourth quarter that ultimately resulted in zero mm-hmm. points from the Robbie Gold miss. I mean, okay, but, like, what's Kirk supposed to do in that situation, right? Like, he did get the ball and did have the opportunity. And, yes, I would have loved to have seen him on that two-point conversion where he threw it to Justin Jefferson and hit him in the knees. That one sucked. The one that yeah. he threw over Justin Jefferson's head, that one sucked. So you get some – I'm going to get, I'll I'll say like 5%, but for me, it's Clint Kubiak. Like the offensive scheme, you got to come up with something. Yeah. You just do. Like, I don't have the answer either, but there's a reason why I don't have the answer. And it's because I'm not a professional football coach. I'm a podcaster that's talking to you about the Vikings. And so I don't have the answer to what Clint Kubiak should have done. I'm not going to pretend to do that either, but ultimately, yeah, it's your job, man. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's just kind of how it goes sometimes. And whether you deserve it or not, you're in the prof- you're in the NFL. It's the National Football League. Everyone, if you lose, everyone sucks automatically. You get 17 games to prove you don't suck. And this is one of those weeks where the Vikings sucked straight up. So that's yeah. where I'm at. Is there anything else that we did not cover here today that you'd like to point to? Uh, we get out of here? Go Seahawks, I guess. Right? Yeah. Because I mean, and for I don't know for that part in the season yet, where we're like rooting for teams to lose for playoff positioning. I but think we're there. Otherwise, we're the go Seahawks. Right? Then go Seahawks. I mean, people listening to this by now will know the result, but we're still that we still don't know. So go Seahawks. Yeah, I, I think we're weird. there. I think we're at that point in the season. You know, as soon as you get the quote, the in the hunt graphic. I know that 
you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. listen to PMT and those guys yeah. love the in the hunt graphic. As soon as you start getting that popping up on the screen, that's when you're, in my personal opinion, that's when you're allowed to, as a fan, start kind of breaking down. All right, we need these teams to lose. We need the Vikings to beat this team. Yeah, I'm with you. Go, uh, go Seahawks. Uh, that's a weird thing for me to say because I generally would be amped to see Taylor Heideke be in playoff position. But um, yeah, that's a strange feeling. And the last thing that I wanted to leave you with is that Josh Norman. That dude sucks, man. Like, <laughs> I can't. Okay. I just want to say this because I liked Josh Norman the one year where he was kind of the dark knight. That was his, like, branding in Carolina. I believe he was an all-pro that year. He was as good as you could find at cornerback. He, of course, goes to Washington, signs that mega deal. Sucks. Gets released. Now he's on the 49ers. I don't know if you guys saw this clip. There's a great Instagram account that I highly recommend you follow. It's called Hurdles. And what they do basically is it's sometimes it's hurdles, but most of the time it's kind of a feed of videos on just hilarious circumstances that happen in college and NFL football. And there was a video yesterday where when the Vikings fumbled on near the goal line, and I thought the Vikings were going to lose on that play, by the way, and the Vikings are scrambling for the ball. They ultimately get it back, but you can very clearly see Josh Norman punching Adam Thielen in the spine, like outright, like bam, Bam, just waxing him in the spine. No call. I don't like that. Like for sure, call, for sure, make the call there. Um, but just as a like as a PSA, this dude is an asshole. Straight up, that's where I'm at. It's it's not Adam Thielen either. It's everyone. Nobody can stand this dude. I understand why he got in the fight with Odell Beckham. I understand why he's gotten in fights throughout his career. I'm pissed. I did not like that at all. If I'm Mike Zimmer, I'm screaming about that. I'm calling the referees. And being like, hey, did you watch this? Did you miss this one? Because this is kind of messed up. This yeah. is not football play. It's the same level to me, not as visibly, not as visceral as the Aaron Donald choke slam on, was it David Bakhtiari yesterday? Not as visceral because you, it's not a guy grabbing someone by the neck. But, like, I know Adam Thielen's got, got pads on his back. But, like, no one wants to get punched in the spine. And that's just messed up, man. Like, control your emotions. What the hell is wrong with you? So that's what I'll leave you with. As a whole, though, generally optimistic podcast. I think the Vikings can come back from this one. We'll be back later on this week to discuss that Detroit matchup that we did bring up briefly on today's show. Uh, we'll break that one down, break down the circumstances, and I think Drew kind of hit on the major one here and kind of the major fear factor. <laughs> the Lions come in here and it's an 0-10 team. And right. it looks like the Vikings, given our history, very difficult to not think in the back of your head here we go. This is going to mm -hmm. be Detroit's one loss. So we'll talk about that and plenty more on the next show. Um, thank you as always for listening. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever else you listen to your podcast. If you prefer to watch the show, you can listen, you can check it out on YouTube. I uh, do check out, check out the comment section on theirs too as well. So if you want to drop us a line, we appreciate that. Uh, make sure you're checking out the rest of the Climbing the Pocket team. I know that those guys have been putting up consistent content on a regular basis, both live shows, other podcasts, different personalities. So if you don't like Drew or myself, you can't stand listening to us. I'm sure there is someone else within the network that you would prefer to listen to. So make sure to check that out and then lastly the daily norseman never ever forget about the daily norseman one of my favorite stops plenty of great content on the website um a lot of great writers that are a part of there as well so make sure you're checking that out thank you guys for listening um and we'll catch you later on this week Ooh.